0: Welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey you, and welcome back to the Women With Fire podcast. This is Sarah Allred. I get to be your host today, sitting across from someone that like, I have band connections with people. (laughs) Band connections, right? (laughs) So you know that this is going to be chock full of goodness, right? Band nerds unite, hashtag. Okay, cool. I'm super excited to introduce you to someone who is, if I were to give an award of like someone to watch and like pay attention, people pay attention people. This is who I would introduce you to. And you probably already know her and I'm the last one to jump on the game, but you need to know Angie. This is Angie. And I knew her as Angie Day, but that's not who she is anymore. And that's fine. But Angie, she really is the mom of four. She is the wife to Adam, who's an accountant, educator for 10 years, people, fifth preschool and kindergarten. And she is, drumroll, the owner of Come Follow Me F-H-E. If you have not found her on Instagram, people, you will not believe the things she's putting together. Okay. This is not like, like free download central of stuff that you'll never use. And it's just coloring in stuff. Like, no, 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 no. Way beyond. Okay. Okay. They live in Cache Valley. I'm from Cache Valley. Woo. She loves the farm life, raising chickens, bees, has a vegetable garden, fruit trees, and she cans our food. And she loves, she cans my food. No, she doesn't can my food. She cans her food and she loves baking. She was a supervisor over student teachers at USU, go Aggies, and enjoyed observing in many classrooms and many teaching styles. So here's the deal, people. Someone is creating incredible stuff. Her name is Angie from Come Fall me, FHE. She loves child development, behavior, and effective teaching. She has curated probably the best ever children's curriculum for Come Follow Me that is online. Period. So, welcome, Angie. So glad you're here.
1: Woohoo! Thank you for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yay. So one of the cool things about you, Angie, is you are fiercely devoted to the quality of your content. Like fiercely devoted. You are, this is, like I said, and I'm not mocking the free downloads. We're super grateful for so many people reaching and trying to help us to come follow me. But like your stuff is serious. Like actually based upon teaching principles and child development and age and everything like that. And can you share with me the example of the slime? Okay. That we just talked about (laughs) preparing for this interview of like how serious this gets in really teaching kids. Yeah, sure. So
1: I, my kids are nine seven, five, and two. And so when it comes to teaching, come follow me in my home, I really have to get creative and I have to think about what is going to work for them, which means what is going to engage their minds, right? And for my kids, that is anything hands-on. And for most kids, that's anything hands-on. So when we learned about the living water, um, what we did is we made slime. And so the glue mixture was me and we put a little label on the me bowl and then the water mixture with the borax in it was Christ. And when you poured that into you and me, it changed us. And so that helped us learn the story of the living water. So our lessons every week are just chock full of things like that, hands-on experiences for kiddos. And it really has made a huge difference in our home with gospel learning.
0: Okay. So we are known, I love that slime idea. Like I'm thinking, maybe we'll just repeat that lesson and try that next week. I think it's great. (laughs) Um, but I want to know your honest reaction. Okay, come follow me. Just started in January. So we are when this launches, we'll be about nine or 10 months in. And what was your initial reaction? Number one, when you heard President Nelson say, okay, that this is the church is now going to support what's being taught in the home, right? A home-centered church. And second, once elder Irene stood up in the women's meeting and said, women, this is very much in your realm. I'm I'm not quoting him exactly, but that was the feeling there in that time. What was going through your mind at that time? When they first announced it,
1: I remember really feeling the weight on my shoulders as the mom. And I think that's probably every mom out there. Because for whatever reason, I don't think the dads feel that way. Okay.
0: (laughs) Why is that?
1: Why is that? We're going to do it. I don't know. A
0: podcast for another day.
1: (laughs) It's really fine. Yes, it's fine. It's really fine. But I think in general, men just feel like that's not really their strength. And a lot of men would say, you know, I'm not creative. I, I can't teach my kids. I can't come up with a lesson. Like that's just really not their thing. But anyway, so I felt the weight on my shoulders. And I, to be honest with you, I kind of walked around with that for a while, kind of hum-hawing, chewing on it a little bit, just like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. Like two hours of church, we changed. And so now the pressure is on me more so, right? And um, when we got the manuals and we had our initial meeting with, you know, a bishopric member kind of went through it with us and the expectation and stuff. I for real opened the manual and I sat there on the pew in the chapel and my mouth, like my jaw dropped. And I just thought, are you kidding me? I seriously thought, there's no way. Like my children are nine, seven, five, and two. And I'm looking through this manual, reading this stuff, half of it, I don't even understand. And I just thought there is no Freaking way that I am going to be able to teach my kids this stuff. And then the overwhelm just like really settled in, right? But within two or three minutes, my brain started going. And this is what I started thinking Angie, Angie, you can do something about this. Angie, Angie, you got this. Angie, you're a teacher. You can come up with something. And I went home and I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking that. And At the time, I had just gone back into the classroom from teaching preschool for seven years. I ran my own preschool in my home. And so I had just started, you know, this was October. So I just started end of August and I kept having the thought in my head, like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) 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 I don't have time for this. I have four kids. And my husband um, has an autoimmune, so that kind of brings some burdens on in other ways. And I teach. And I teach kindergarten, which is like a lot of bringing things home and cutting things out. <laughs> so <laughs> I just kept thinking, like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And I don't know. Do you want me to just keep sharing about
0: where that evolved to? or? Well, I think one of the things our our listeners need to grab onto is like... If this has been stressful for you or overwhelming for you, you are not the only one, including people who are teachers and trained in child development. Many of our listeners have children, okay? And I do applaud, I do think that the manuals were a massive step up from the manuals we certainly had before, and there are some really beautiful ways that we can experience Come Follow Me, but just like in any kind of quest, like there is that feeling of, I don't fit in. I don't fit into this. Like, where do I belong in this? And that is like, hello, meet the adversary step of the quest because the adversary is saying, oh, the church just redid this whole thing and didn't think about kids. Right. Right. That is the adversary coming in. And the great thing about your story is that these thoughts, like you said, in two or three minutes got turned to, I can do this. I can do like something is gonna come from this. And boy has something come from this. And so I want to know, like technically speaking, how in the world this exploded over the past nine or 10 months.
1: (laughs) Okay. So I started so I decided finally when I went home with all these feelings, I was started waking up at 4 a.m. and for several nights. just having these thoughts of I've got to do something. I've got to do something. And I just kept saying to myself, I don't have time. I can't do this. And finally, after about a week of waking up every day at 4am, I sat up in bed and I said, fine, I will do it. And so I got up. I got on my computer and I started looking at how to make a website and looking at how to get email subscribers and started looking through the manual and how can I make this applicable to kids started writing down all of my ideas. I didn't even go back to sleep. Like I just stayed up. I got, and I went into teaching the next day and came home and was mom and my brain was just going, going, going. And I think the Lord really was just giving me so many ideas. Like, this is what you can do. People need this. They need you to help them and to make this feel possible because so many mothers are feeling like you felt. So, um, it was December. It was right before Christmas, like December 19th, I think was the day that my first email went, you know, and I made the Instagram account and here we go. And I really was thinking, do you know what? This is not going to be any big deal. Like, this is just, I'm going to tell my friends about it and my sisters about it and they'll tell their friends about it. And it'll just be like a couple hundred people will, you know, um, find out about it. And you know what? That's great. Like, I was not thinking that it was really going to take off. I thought famous you know what?
0: last words is really <laughs> right? what they were. Oh, <laughs> ye of little right? faith.
1: <laughs> right. But I just thought, you know, I'm going on this prompting. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And if that means that it helps a hundred people, that's a hundred people that needed it. Right. And within, let's see the first week, I think I sent about 800 emails The next week I sent 2,400. It tripled. Um, The week after that, I mean, every week, I can't even recall the numbers now, but it just boom, boom, boom. Within, oh, it was about two months. I outgrew my initial email list and then I moved to another one. And since then we've moved to another one. And anyway, I have artists now that draw and hand design and create things for me. So it's no clip art stuff that you find out there, and anyway, so it's just really, really gone well. But it all started from that four four a.m., and it started from okay, I'm gonna do it, and just buckling down and figuring it out.
0: I love this. I love the persistence in it um, because we often talk about the quest. We say, "Hey, what are your unique gifts as a quester?" And you have to say, "Oh, I'm a teacher." I'm good at child development. Yeah. I'm good at engaging. I have ideas, right? And then the place where people get stuck. They know the quest. I need to help moms with um teaching their children about this new come follow me, in New Testament 2019, right? Okay, I'm the quester. These are my gifts. And then the next one is the path to get there. Like, how do I get there? And there is something really just incredible. I'm kind of at a loss for words. When I'm thinking about the 4 a.m.s. I'm thinking about the 4 a.m.s. when so much was built. And I think it teaches me two things. One is don't ever estimate hustle, right? Don't ever yes. estimate that word hustle. But second, the stillness you must have experienced at those 4 a.m. Unless your kids are getting up at 4 a.m. I don't know. But I'm thinking you chose 4 a.m. because it was quiet. And I just think, wow, maybe that was part of the secret of you being able to really hone into the spirit. And looking back, um, what do you think of those 4 a.m. mornings? And was it worth it?
1: Oh, absolutely worth it. And I think you are so right because I distinctly remember One morning, just being up and studying the manual, the manual that I looked at and I was like, no way. I distinctly remember looking at that and reading that and jotting down all of my ideas and getting to work. And the spirit just like really settling in on me and saying like, this is it. This is the good stuff your kids need this, your family needs this, and so do all the other families. And really that, I feel like that's really where I gained my testimony before we even went through the whole curriculum, really. I just felt so strongly like, this is it. This is going to be good.
0: You know? love that. It was like a turning point for you. It was one of those totally switchbacks. So let me ask you a really blunt question. Um, Because it has been New Testament. Um, I think first it's brilliant that they started with the New Testament. And listeners, if you don't know why, go back and listen to Emily Freeman's interview. She talks about why the New Testament is so brilliant in starting at that point. Um, what have you learned about the Savior the past 10 months? As you, I have not prepared you with this question, and I'm not going to apologize for it either. What have you learned? <laughs> with your relationship with the savior these past 10 months.
1: There's so much we could do. I think a whole episode about this, but I would say the number one thing that has really stood out to me is that the savior gives us all grace. And I don't know why, for whatever reason for me, that just, it seems like a really reoccurring message. And so many of the stories, I mean, you could pick out anything. You could pick out love. You could pick out faith. You could pick out humility. You, there's so many messages you could take, but I just feel so strongly that a big takeaway for me in the New Testament study is that we all are given grace from the Savior. And I think it's really easy in life to get caught up in all of the things we should have done, we could have done, we aren't doing. And I think we need to focus on the things we are doing, the things we are doing well because I think that's what the Savior would have us do for ourselves. And and I do think especially as mothers and as women, we are harder on ourselves than anybody else. We are our worst critic, right? And so maybe that's why that's like my biggest takeaway, but the message that really stands out to me, because I really feel like the Lord would have every woman know that he is okay with their efforts, whatever that may be, whatever it is today.
0: Oh, I love that. And I don't think that you're alone in that. I think in our in our theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that, that grace is vague. Grace sure. is vague. And I think studying the New Testament has brought it to the forefront of the reality of the Savior where he is, his patterns, how he treats people, how they are enough. And I've loved seeing more of these messages come out of you are enough and, you know, and bringing in (laughs) these ideas of grace. And sometimes we say, you do you, you know, that those kinds of things, these are all tying into this idea that maybe as a world, we are grabbing onto this idea of, of grace. And I like, ah, if our kids could grasp that, they're going to be so much greater than we are. So much greater. Now I want to bring up something that um, I know is also deeply personal to you. Um, You are a kindergarten teacher. Well, sort of, right? (laughs) Talk about that in a minute, but kindergarten teaching, you've got four kids. Okay. And you've listed their ages, but you, your husband also has some major challenges. Yes. So will you introduce um, what has happened with your husband and share what that has brought to your family in this experience.
1: Sure. So when my husband turned 30, shortly after he turned 30, he started having burning in his abdomen and it quickly progressed to his legs, down both of his legs, going numb really pretty quickly, the inability to walk. And within about a week, he went totally blind in one of his eyes and started losing vision in the other. And, um, really just a scary time for us. And you know, you know, man, cause I'm like, honey, I think you should go to the doctor. <laughs> and so finally after a week or two of the burning on the abdomen and the leg thing, he went in and the doctor told him that he thought he had shingles and it turns out it really wasn't shingles. Cause he went back home and, and got worse and worse. And finally, when he went totally blind in his eye, we got him into an eye doctor And um, I'll try to make it short, but the eye doctor inside was freaking out saying, I think this guy has NMO. I've never seen it. I practiced for 25 years, but we had told him about the burning and I was asking, could this be related? And he was like, oh no, I think his optic nerve is just a little inflamed, but in his head, he was Really concerned. He was right? checking
0: the boxes saying something yes. Off. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. And so um, he ended up calling down to the University of Utah, the around Eye Center, getting us into, uh, well, talking to Judith Warner, is her name, a doctor, a really good doctor who, P.S., has a nine month wait list to get into. And she just said to him, Yep, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like he has NMO. Send him down. I will see him. And we checked into the IMC. And he stayed there for a long while to get his diagnosis to check for. The, it's an aquaporin four marker that marks for that autoimmune disease. And they said, "Yep, you have NMO. It's neuromyelitis optica. It's um in the family of MS, but different, more severe flare ups, um, more severe permanent damage, and um, very rare." So he was like at the time, I think case eleven in the whole Western region of the United States. And to put it in perspective, um, one in 300 have MS. So,
0: wow. What? So, so crazy. Have resources. I mean, you weren't like,
1: right. Oh, yep. My goodness. Nope. We weren't. So we just went forward in faith. Um, I had three little kids at the time. I think I'm trying to think my baby was maybe one, maybe one and a half. And, um, and you know my the doctors came in and just said the chances of him getting the nerves back in his legs like the nerve damage because he had a four vertebrae lesion on his spine <clears throat> were really slim um nmo patients don't tend to regenerate and there are immunotherapies that we can do um which my husband does a chemo drug every 6 months four infusions every 6 months for his maintenance drug to keep his Um, NMO at bay, so he doesn't flare up, but they said, even with the treatments like that would keep him where he was at, that wouldn't help him heal, if that makes sense. And so I just thought, okay, well, here I am. My husband's 30. He's going to be disabled in a wheelchair blind. He's an accountant. So, you know, turns out he's not going to be able to see, (laughs) Yeah, not going to be able to see the screen anyway um we just went forward in faith and we have been really really blessed and seen a lot of miracles i i thank my heavenly father now for nmo and i couldn't have said that do you really or a while ago oh yeah because you know i think really honestly nmo is part of my journey especially with my business because so we hit nmo and it was in july and our insurance well yeah, it was in July. And my husband was an accountant for a school district. So our insurance went school year, right? So we hit our max out of pocket, which was a high deductible in July. And then we had to start again for school year. And then he had his treatments. And so again, max out of pocket. I mean, with insurance, we had to pay $24,000 out of pocket in 13 months. And I was running my in-home preschool. So what did I have to do, Sarah? I had to get creative. What am I going to do to make money? Right? Because I have these bills and well, we have these medical bills, I'm not quite sure my husband's going to get good enough to work again. And I have three little kids. I'm not sitting down on my butt and saying, just get me on whatever welfare, right? I'm going to do something about this and the Lord's going to provide a way. And so I got to work and I'm telling you, if I did, if we did not have NMO, I would not, I don't think have started come follow me FHE. That has now, at this point, in eight short months, reached families all over the world. We're talking Africa, Brazil, New Zealand, um, Turkey, all over the U.S., Canada. I mean, I'm telling you, I really, truly think if th- it was like a piece of my journey.
0: Wow, I'm like I'm really blown away by this. Like I, I appreciate like your gutsiness to say I'm so grateful for this because I'm over here in horror. Thinking about like what mindset would be, and I'm not I'm not trying to say oh my gosh sugarcoat like this would scare me to my core, right? Scare me to my core, and I I love your strength in in a way expecting the Lord to deliver um, whatever was needed, whether it was financial or ideas or whatever. Amazing how creative we get when resources are low, right? I mean, it's a pretty amazing thing in entrepreneurship, I think, um, how creative we get. But tell me a little bit about when you said we went forward in faith after the diagnosis. Okay.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Because What
0: does that mean? We went forward with faith. Does that mean you just gave each other a high five and you decided to start a business, or what was this experience like between you and your husband and the Lord?
1: Well, well, I didn't start come following F H E for a couple of years. It was probably, I think, about three years after, right? Because my, yeah, about three years after. But no, in fact, my husband said to me, I will never forget. He was walking down the hallway, not really walking. I mean, he had he was plugged in to steroids and they were hooking him up to plasma phoresis every day to like filter out his plasma to get rid of all the bad antibodies and just so sick couldn't see couldn't walk had a walker hooked up to drugs and this is what my husband said to me he said well I don't know why I why I signed up for this in heaven and I thought of all the things that he could have said he could have said to heck with this where is God now? He could have said like short end of the stick. He could have said, I'm out. See you later. Some God you are right. There are so many things that he could have said that were not. I know that I lived in heaven before I came to earth. I know I chose this and I know that God is going to help me through it. And that's what he said to me when we were at like the lowest of lows. And I thought, Yep, you're right. I'm right there with you. And we're going to make this work. And I'm not saying that I was like happy figuring all the things out. I'm not saying I didn't have a good cry. I'm not saying that I was just like, oh, it's going to be fine. Like, no, I am saying we prayed and we prayed and our family fasted and we literally had to go forward in faith, relying on the Lord. Because if we didn't, the, uh, the other option was to deny him.
0: I love this statement because you saw no third option here. And I admire that, that strength of faith um, in being able to say he, he will either deliver us or he won't and doesn't exist, in fact. And, and to go along the, the Moses side of things, so to speak, in that he will deliver on this experience because I know where I came from, and I know what I chose, and I know who is with me along this journey. And this ties into the whole point of why you do what you do because he yes. was taught in his home long, long ago. And so some people that are not familiar with Come Follow Me, F-H-E, you provide these insanely amazing, elaborate, dare I say, like in a good way, hands-on lessons (laughs) for $5 a month, five bucks. And from a business standpoint, it blows my mind sometimes. And I'm like, oh, She is just giving the gift of all great things. And what I love is, and I've talked to you in a business way prior to this interview about this balance between like, I want as many people to access this as possible. And then I also have a serious predicament I find myself in that I am providing (laughs) people, right? So trying to, to balance this really, really challenging thing. And so my question is, As you have developed this program and as you have decided to share it with the world and have made it a financial thing so that you can grow it and nurture it and make it even better, um, what do you wish people understood about the importance of the home-centered church change?
1: Oh, I wish so badly that people would understand that when they use the program, And when they consistently teach the curriculum that their family will be centered on Christ and together they will come unto Christ. I think it's really hard, you know, moms and parenting and life and everything that we have going, it is really hard to set aside that sacred time. And I just wish I could call everybody on the phone and say, just do it. It will be worth it. It will be worth it. You will not stand in heaven someday and say, I wish I went to more soccer games or I wish my kid did competitive gymnastics or I wish that my son was better at running track. You will stand in front of the Lord and you will have to say, I know I did my best in teaching my children the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is and so, so great. <laughs> Yes, that I just think, you know what? It is not worth, it's not to me like nothing else is worth it. This really is what matters. This really is what matters. And if I could just sing it from the rooftops, I would like do it and do it now and do it today and make a consistent effort at it. And I'm not saying that you have to be the most creative person in the world. There are resources, there are people to help you. There are a lot of things out there. And do you know what? By small and simple things, right?
0: Right. By small and simple things. Right. And like any, we're both educators, right? And And I will have you know, she also did not mention that band practice is less important than teaching about the gospel. She did (laughs) not say that. So you know priorities. Just, okay. (laughs) I had to say it. I'm sorry. I'm not very good at biting my tongue. But I think, Angie, what you're saying here is so critical because I hope we are never in a situation in which we're looking at our home and we're saying, I have to do this all by myself. Like this is home centered. And so therefore it's only Sarah and Greg and I'm teaching these four. And I, if I, you know, if I, if I subscribe to come follow me FHE and I get Angie's materials, that means I'm not putting in the effort to enrich my home. So therefore I'm going to draw them myself and I'm going to like, I, I really think that the Lord knows that we are here to help each other and that technology came at the most prime time for everyone around the world to be able to have these resources. And I don't care if you take Come Follow Me FHE as your resource. It's a fabulous one and, and that's a great one for you. But the, the key is, and any educator will say this, that the power of teaching about the savior really comes in the teaching of it. Okay. Yes. She's experiencing her clarity with the savior while she is designing things and doing curriculum in her way. Great. She's doing her gift. Yay. Now what about you listener? Like your quest, can you also quest and enrich your life with the savior and then also borrow Angie's gift and enrich your kids teaching lives and bear testimony. Yes. And Angie will never be able to replace your testimony being born in the home as they are learning about the savior. And so, man, I am like on a roll, Angie. I just love Amen. That Amen. You are saying you have to do this.
1: <laughs> Amen. I so agree. And do you know what? I think, remember how we mentioned grace? I think it goes back to that principle And I think we do sometimes have to say to ourselves, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm at. I'm going to start where I'm at. And then I'm just going to do a little bit better and a little bit better. And I don't think we need to just eat the whole elephant. I think we need to take it bite by bite. Right. And you know what? The Lord will recognize your efforts and your family will be
0: blessed. Starting like right now, like today. Yes. That you're listening yes. to this podcast, you're saying, "Today is enough."
1: Yes, I'm saying today is enough.
0: Oh, I love. I love. Now we clearly, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sorry. Welcome to interviewing at the Women with Podcast <laughs> with Fire Podcast. Um, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make when teaching children about the gospel? Like, think of. Oh, three. When you think of three. Okay. Classic okay. mistakes. Yes.
1: Totally. Number one, the expectation is to sit still and to be quiet. Actually, really seriously, developmentally impossible for children to do that. So if that's your expectation in your home, throw it out the window. You'll be much happier. I promise. The second one is people think they have to follow some rule or some schedule or some well, how do I do this? Well, what day should I do it on? But but should I do it at eight a.m. or eight p.m.? I mean, I'm not kidding you. Uh, people want it laid out in front of them, exactly step by step. And do you know what? You should do what your children needs and what works for your family. And when you're trying to do something that your neighbor does or your friend does or your sister said this is so perfect because we do it this certain way, that is making a huge mistake for teaching your children because your kids might need it at a different time or in a different way than so-and-so's kids, right? And probably my third one is the biggest mistake is they forget that when kids' hands are on, their minds are on. So you cannot just speak at them and do Bible reading. Children retain 70 to 100% of what they hear, see, say, and do. So anytime you can incorporate those four things, they are going to remember it. And don't we want that with gospel learning? Absolutely. Of all the things, we want our kids to retain gospel principles, right? Because that is going to bless them in their lives, right? So those would probably be the top three things. And I get messages every day about this type of thing. And and th- this is what I tell all of these parents.
0: Fantastic. And I think every single listener here is like, Oh, okay, one of those is totally existing in my home right now. Okay, revamp, awesome, and I really really love that. I really love and especially what resonates with me is the first one. Like I'm not kidding like 30 minutes ago when we were finishing up, we're recording this on a Monday evening, but when I was doing family home evening with my kids and I was bearing testimony and my kids were like kicking soccer balls all over the (laughs) living room. And finally I just stopped because I was kind of like, I am bearing my testimony for crying out loud. (laughs) And I had my awesome teacher moment because I teach high schoolers. Kay, They are capable (laughs) of seeing, but I, I was like, I will wait until you're sitting. And now I hear you (laughs) say that. And I'm like, what is wrong with me bearing my testimony while they are kicking the soccer ball around? Like, Angie has made me a better teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It is happening in all of our homes. So there is our little three point reminder. Okay. The first one, they cannot sit (laughs) and be quiet. That is totally fine. Second, the schedule doesn't matter. Make it happen. Right. And then the third one, which is my favorite is. Children will retain better what they see, hear, say, and do. Perfect. Perfect. I love this. I love this. Now I want to switch gears a little bit because, um, we clearly feel your passion for teaching children and your family dynamic and how you have pushed through some really intense things with your, um, your husband and all those things. Um, we also have people listening who, who have had those promptings like you sitting there saying, you can do this, 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 this is good. This is the good stuff. And they're starting to do things. And maybe they're a little bit freaked out by the whole 4am concept because of whatever their family dynamic is right now. But like, they are scared to do stuff right now. And, and maybe that is going all in on teaching their children. Maybe that is their quest, their quest right now. And that is a huge one, hugely important one. But as an entrepreneur, as a mother teaching in the home, women are being held back, what is your message to them?
1: Oh, I would just say that if you are feeling called to do it, do it. Something that I have really learned, and this is for me personally, how the spirit speaks to me. But when I keep having that thought and having that thought and having that thought, then when I act upon it, I am always blessed. And I never look back and say, oh, gee, that didn't really work out for me, did it? I always, always look back and say, uh huh, uh huh. Okay, Heavenly Father, I see what you were doing there. You know, and this goes from just even, gosh, when I was like 12, I started a little dance studio in my mom's garage and my dad hung mirrors on the wall. And I was like doing my own little business because I've just always had that burning desire. In my heart, you know, it goes from being in high school and seminary, and I just always wanted to just know everyone and bless everyone and be friends with everyone. And I would sit on the edges, you know, where all the people who had nobody to sit with would sit. And I would go and sit by them and I'd talk to them about what they were doing in their lives and where they worked, and I'd memorize their names. My husband makes fun of me because we still always run into people because I just know people and I've just always had a love for people. And I just wanted to get to know them, so I could hug them, and I could high five of and I could talk to them. And then I get my teaching degree and I teach and that gives me a really great skill set. And then I move into running my own preschool and then I'm doing a little side business, selling some things online. Oh, Hey, check, check, check. All of those things have led me to what I'm doing now. Come follow me FHE. They have paved the path for me, including my husband's chronic illness, including that. And so take the good, take the bad, take the trials. And then when you feel called to do it, have the courage to do it.
0: I hope that sinks in. I hope that that sinks in. And what do you say to the number one reason that women are most fearful to do things like this? And and that is that they do not have time and they don't want their kids to be the one who pay the price because you would be a great one to speak about this with your family dynamic.
1: I would say that the Lord magnifies your efforts. So I get up early. I do it when my kids are asleep and you know what? Now you can work in your pocket. You can work in the pickup line. You could work while your kids are Watching their quiet time afternoon Netflix or taking their nap, I try really, really hard to put my family first still. But also, I do want to say, I want to add this because I think it's really important to note that what are my kids learning from me? They are learning that mom is passionate about something, mom is listening to the Savior and the Spirit, and she is is she is doing it and chasing, I don't want to say chasing my dreams because that sounds so like fru frou y You know what I mean? But I, but really, truly my daughters especially are going to learn that when they feel called to do it, they can do it. And it's no longer, I feel like we don't really live in a world now where, I don't know, my grandmother, it was like, they were just moms. And I shouldn't say just moms. They were moms. And they've had dinner on the table every night and they cooked all the meals and they did all the sewing and times have really changed. And now women are influencing. It's like there is, I feel like an army of women in this generation. There's a quote from Spencer W. Kimball that I really, really love. And it's in a talk, but I I wrote it down because I love it so much. But he says, Thus, it will be that female exemplars of the church will be a significant force in both numerical and the spiritual growth of the church in the last days. So if you're a mom listening to this and you feel called to do something, have the courage to do it. And if you feel like you don't have time, make time and the Lord will make up
0: the rest. It all comes to a circle. Oh, I am in. I am so in. I'm on your team. I'm on your team. I love this. I love this. I am so grateful that we have had the chance to sit with you. It has been an absolute pleasure to just dive into the bravery that's there, the pain that has existed to get you to this point, the clear interest around the world of people that are really wanting to teach their families is really inspiring to me. And I would love to just like dive into the back end of your business just to be inspired by the people that are so interested, you know, that these are women who are going to bat and this is a huge priority. So I'm so grateful that you would join us. And if people want to learn more and need resources, I know you have free lessons that you give out and then you've got an incredible subscription that's out there. People can head, um, you can find her on Instagram at come follow me F H E or come follow me F H E.com online. And you can get all that info, but thank you for the reminder. Like we need this right now, that little reminder, as we get to the end of the year, this is still important. This is still happening. This is still life changing and we live in a glorious time to be part of it. So Angie, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You are so welcome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a joy.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks again so much for being on the Women with Fire podcast and we'll see you next week. Hey you guys, that was a great episode, right? Well, do you want a little bit more or a lot more? Well, we have it for you. Head over to the womenwithfire.com/bonus and you're going to find two bonus episodes that you can download that can literally get your soul on fire right now. So Sarah and I get asked to speak at places a lot and we have two most requested topics and we are tackling them and giving them right to your inbox. So Sarah's topic is Satan is at the Y, not at BYU, my friends. It is at the Y and she dives in uh, and tells you how to get over the questions. Then you can pop over and listen to Michelle talk about like the things she's most fabulous at talking about, and that is God is speaking. Do you hear him? If you feel like Revelation is sort of a tripping point for you, she has got some incredible ways that you can better hear the Lord in your everyday life. So these are bonus episodes. You can jump on right now at thewomenwithfire.com slash bonus. Download them right now, and there is more for you to enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us at the Women With Fire podcast.